Welcome. Just a little intro before we get started. This is a huge deviation for what we normally do. Normally we're talking about addiction medicine, uh, education kind of stuff. And this is kind of a little bit like that, but we're going to pull a story out of the news, which is, uh, I don't know if anyone's been following or not, but it's the uh, Alex Murdoch murder trial. This gentleman who's quite an established, well-respected man in his uh, legal community, Alex Murdoch, is on trial for allegedly murdering his wife, uh, Maggie, and their son, Paul. So uh, why are we talking about this at all? We're not a crime show, but uh, this gentleman open about his opiate addiction. And the question we're looking at is, can somebody do $50,000 a week in, uh, in opiates, which is what he alleges. It's both what the prosecution is looking at and the, and the defense using it as uh, in different ways. So we thought we'd just have a look at that question and figure out if that's something that it's possible or not. Thanks for joining us and uh, hope you enjoy. I know I threw this story at you in the morning, uh, but there's a story in the news about this gentleman in South Carolina who has um, allegedly uh, murdered his wife and his son. Uh, his name is Alex Murdoch. And um, why am I bringing this up in an addiction podcast? Might be the next question. Well, JP, I mean, why are you bringing this up in an addiction uh, podcast? Well, that's a great question. Wait, I don't know where you came <laughs> up with a, such riveting questions. Um, but uh, so his defense has brought up the uh, the story that this gentleman has um, has an opiate addiction. Yep. And he's spending uh, upwards of $50,000 a week on opiates. Yep. And uh, this was in, in uh, People magazine yesterday. So... Yep. Yep. And a lot of people saying, oh, $50,000 a week, that's impossible. So I thought, hey, that's kind of in our wheelhouse. Is it just to even look at that question? Is, is that possible? I, I mean, I think it's it's a great question. I think there's so much to uh, to unpack there, right? And uh, part of it is my own personal thing. I can't think of something more horrible to do than to murder your your wife and your, your child. Allegedly. Allegedly. So fair enough. So, But th there have been uh, cases we've seen in the news where, where men have uh, done this, right? Where uh, men have, like, you know, murdered uh, their wife. And sometimes it seems like it's out of anger. There was that one person who drove a Tesla or something in yeah. uh, California. And, and I just can't think of something more horrible. And that in itself just brings a different experience in my mind and uh, body, right? Ironically, but, I think the Tesla guy was a, a physician. Yeah, yeah, Indian physician, right? And it was funny, you know, because you, it was not funny, but you are like, hey, what's going on with you people or something? You know, like uh, there's uh, there's four or five uh, headlines in the news where these uh, Indian physicians have uh, murdered their wives and their kids. And I'm just like, oh shit, you know, like, well, at least it's a, it's a standard that I could definitely surpass, you know, in terms of uh, moral and ethics and so forth. But what horrible, horrible things that have uh, happened in the news. And, and you don't know how much of it is just glorifying or because that's what people read about or is the... Is there a trend? I mean, I, I just, I find it so viscerally uncomfortable. But I think we can pull back to like that, that simple question, right? Uh, like how much can people spend on an, an addiction? And one of the cases I remember so, so well um, was was around, and, and it was interesting because I've, I've known the person for, for a while now, uh, and uh, it was someone where they never heard of buprenorphine, and, you know, they, they had a 10-year addiction. 
And when they got on buprenorphine, they're like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, like uh, they, they, they lost her. And the, this person was a business person, right? And so they see the housing prices go up. So they see all that stuff go up and they're like, I lost my house. And, and every 10 years in Toronto, it's like, what, 500000 a million dollars for the, 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 the person? So it was just, uh, it's one of those things where uh, when people are in that cycle, it's very hard to solve. And the other thing that uh, I, I'm not so good at is that when people have unlimited means. So when people have unlimited funds to do whatever they want, it's a much harder sell. And some people get really good. They hide it from their wife, they hide it from their kids, they hide it from their parents, they hide it from their work, they hide it from all that stuff. Uh, it's not like you can smell it like alcohol. Right. And your body gets used to it, right? Your body absolutely gets used to it. And, and I've seen people where it's like 30, 40, 80, 80s a day. And they might come to see me once just because somebody makes them come. But if there's no negative consequences and they can hide it. And, and all I'm saying is it's, it's a very tough sell when someone's in the throw of substance use to try to convince them that a life without it is better. Right. And I think and then uh, maybe maybe it's not my place to do that. But I'm pretty sure when he looks at his life now, he almost wishes he didn't have that 50,000 a week uh, addiction. Yeah. And I think, well, sure. I mean, maybe I he does. Maybe there's a maybe big he doesn't well, let, let, let me let me look frame it another way. So he's a kind of a scion of the uh, of the legal profession in South Carolina. His his father's one of the top was one of the top judges, his grandfather, his great grandfather. This guy is an established. So it wasn't poverty that led him to it, it's not poverty, but that's not the point. My point is, is that in order to get that buprenorphine that you're talking about, you got to come out of the closet. You got to go to an addiction doctor. You got to go to a physician. Oh, I didn't think about that. Right. So you can't. It's it's not like he can get that illicitly. Although, funny enough, I have heard of. Uh, I've supported multiple patients that have bought and sold uh, buprenorphine uh, illicitly. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. And in, in Which some areas, seems ridiculous because well, it's no. so accessible. Well, no, no, for us. it's yeah, it's accessible for us, and because with OW ODSP and stuff, it's so available here, right? For I, I've just I've seen buprenorphine diverted, right, uh, yeah. a lot uh, as well, and I regularly see patients that uh, will borrow it from friends to cover their their withdrawal symptoms, which is fair, you know. I'd yeah. rather they, they they take buprenorphine than. Um, I don't know, even even naloxone, right? Because before it lasts longer. Right. I, I you know uh, I remember a patient that brought in a, a jar of it that was um, it was really hard to look at because it was covered in saliva in the jar. Yeah, yeah. And he'd paid $20 each for these saliva-covered pills yeah. that he bought from somebody else. And I'm like, brother, we're going to hook you up here, right? We're, we're, oh. you, you, don't, you, don't need to, you don't need to pay anything. you got a drug plan. It's covered 100%. 100%. Let's throw this jar away, right? And it just, it, it literally, it was so sad to me, right, that somebody would go to that trouble and he didn't have money to pay for that. But he, but that's how much suffering in the shadows, as we've you've called it before, right, can can do to somebody that they would pay $20 a pill for these. Like, And he's like, he had some concerns about taking them because he thought he was actually concerned about infections or, you know, the guy apparently was a little, you know, he wasn't, didn't really want to share saliva with this gentleman. Of course. And, and but he bought all these pills. What a what a great twist! You know, you, you brought up this morning, but bringing up this topic about this uh, person who allegedly um, murdered uh, two uh, two family mm -hmm. members, and I just didn't know where it was going. And then uh, I never thought of the shame of disclosure, and and I think you're you're absolutely uh, right. You know, and some of the people where it's lingered for years, lingered for decades uh, behind the scenes, 
um, a big part is the the shame, you know, especially for people that are independent, competent, capable in all of these areas. And, and their entire public image is one of success, right? You know, and uh, it's any any deficit is hard to hard to show. And and I don't know what it is about me where I tend to show my deficits first, <laughs> you know, in meetings and stuff. But we also struggle with uh, the shame and stuff around people when they, they start to need a cane, they start to need a walker, they start to need a wheelchair, yeah. uh, they have falls and all that stuff. We see when people where beauty is a big part of their, their identity and they, they start to age and they don't look the same and then they don't want to do the same things and so forth. And so shame and uh, stigma and, and the, the judgment that people have on themselves and and we see it as healthcare providers as much more than anyone I could think would have on them. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, but it happens, right? And 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 we know it does. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about the the concept of tolerance and uh, you sure. know, how we how we someone could get up to this this fifty thousand dollars. I'm gonna, I'm going to give you know lead with a little bit of my lived ex- experience if that if that's okay, and uh, I guess it's okay because I'm talking um, and. Uh, my, uh, I don't often talk about, uh, I've had two, uh, two, uh, kind of rounds of addiction in my life. And the first one was with, uh, something called ketamine. Okay. Okay. It's something we've never talked about. No, no. And, uh, this is an interesting drug, which will tie into tolerance because, uh, so ketamine is the type of drug that, um, you can, uh, $30 of ketamine, uh, uh if you and I were to start taking it today would last us a, a pretty good weekend, right? And we'd be pretty messed up for the weekend we'd all Hmm. be happy right but if you were to take that ketamine every day for let's say 30 days 30 days yeah you would be now at uh, a habit which would be closer to a thousand dollars a day and that's where i was at ultimately with ketamine is i was doing a thousand dollars a day of ketamine and nowhere's near as high as i would have been on the first day huh so do you think if you like did like a two week gap in between each dose or yeah like... I th- absolutely no you would have yeah if you just did it every weekend that that one bio would be great and was it like you were uh, were you aiming for the K hole or were you aiming just to exist no, no just just to feel good definitely oh, not, not not pursuing the K hole at all interesting so you guys know something about K, uh, about ketamine there um, <laughs> the K hole was well, the K hole was... <laughs> I, I do this for a living all right, this is all like right, my job like, I mean, obviously I mean there's a lot I don't know right like you'll see but uh, yeah like because uh, with with ketamine I also didn't know how to get people off of uh, ketamine right it's especially tough. if it's a part of the uh, the culture right uh, and then they, they sometimes have urinary uh, side effects and stuff too but the, why I bring this up is just specifically on, can you That's kind of right. explain that that tolerance level and perhaps more because of the case we're talking about is opiates. So can you tell me why, um, you know, I would uh, need a certain level of uh, opiates uh, today and why I will need more tomorrow and the next day and the next day, even in the context of if I have chronic pain and, you know, and I'm uh, for whatever reason. There's ventral tegmental area and there's the nucleus accumbens. These are two areas in the brain. Uh, and that's really where the... We're going to spell those out for people. Sure. I mean, that's where the reward comes from, okay. right? It's from the, the dopamine that, that comes from there. And and it's a bit uh, sort of controversial. You know, well, I mean, the scientists are getting better and better at it. But, you know, is it the, the firing of the neurons? Uh, is it uh, the dopamine released to the area in between? Uh, is it the how the dopamine is released and fired? And on, on the other side, you know, where the nucleus accumbens, they have these receptors. They have these receptors that respond to that heightened dopamine in the um, in the in the brain and if you keep flooding it they're going to stop like some of them have like time things where for a certain period of time they, they sort of cut out for a bit uh, sometimes they have downstream messengers where things happen where uh, it's just 
basically what ends up happening is that it's like you flood the system but then anything that you flood the system with, right? Like, say, even if you're sitting in a room and there's like a loud noise in the background all the time, eventually you stop noticing the noise, okay. right? And so, and the same thing happens for these cells in the brain that uh, are there for uh, reward. You know, eventually you sort of stop uh, uh, noticing it. Um, it's it's complicated for opiates because opiates don't direct, they're like this indirect thing for the, the release. Okay. Uh, they, they also work on this, uh, the... Um, the, the amygdala, they also work on this uh, PAG area. Uh, and, and what those areas do, they do anxiety and uh, pain and fear, right? And so part of the opiates is you get this reward, right? But it's, it's, a, it's a secondary further away. And then with the, the fear, it makes that go away as well, right? The okay. fear, the pain, that kind of stuff. But basically, I, I think a simple way to look at it, it's almost like if, uh, uh, if you've got like something like tap, you've got clothes on your skin, right? When you put the shirt on, you feel the shirt. Yes. After a while, you don't feel the shirt, you need a bit more pressure, right? And right. They, the brain sort of uh, adjusts uh, to, uh, to what's, uh, what's there for that. And then also it happens in other areas as well right so with with things like opiates they affect your respiration rate right so they affect different areas of the the body and the the brain and uh, uh, and all the receptors are slightly different in how they adapt and uh, adjust okay here's a question that kind of is related to that so I always wondered um, you know I think the maximum dose of a patient I've ever supported on methadone was 240 yeah um, and I didn't go deeply into that. I don't know if how, well, I, no, I actually do know. I do know that it, he, he didn't start at like 20 and go up, but, uh, it was, it was a very high start and, and that's kind of where he navigated to, but he was there for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is that same thing not happen? Why are people that are starting on a hundred of methadone, not at 800 in 10 years? If, if, if it's a tolerance issue. Um, with uh, with these uh, these oxys uh, that people use and those other opiates, a lot of times they'll use the short acting ones, right? And so they'll use or they'll crush it, uh, snort yeah. it, sniff it, right? And so what happens? They get the high, they get the withdrawal. They get the high, they get the withdrawal. And in the beginning, so there, there's two things. This this part I can describe better, right? So th there's an A process and a B process. And, and my my cartoons are, are horrible. I don't know if I should draw it or if I should just draw it later. But basically, the first time you use cocaine, the A process the high is pretty fucking good right? yeah like it's, it's pretty good sort of like your ketamine experience yes uh, and then the problem is the more you more you use the a process gets smaller and smaller and smaller but then this other thing happens it's like this b process it's this b process of like withdrawal negative thinking all that kind of stuff and and the more that you use substances the same substance the reward gets smaller and smaller yeah. and the withdrawal gets worse and worse and so with methadone because it has a long long half life you don't get that same withdrawal anymore right so people who use opiates initially it's for the high after a while it's just to stop the withdrawal okay right and then to stop the withdrawal they also still want to get the high so they got to cover the withdrawal then they got to get the high on top of it right and so methadone takes away the withdrawal but people still use on top of it right because they want the high so methadone is very good for the withdrawal. It doesn't always replace that high. Okay. And so you get certain people where they just can't stop, can't stop. And so they'll, they'll, they'll use fentanyl right before they get their methadone dose. They'll use it right afterwards or passing out in the waiting area. Yes. All, all that kind of stuff, right? And so whereas buprenorphine is a little bit different, right? Because it has more of a blocking effect. But with methadone, you can probably keep you. That's why you get people on 200 of methadone, 1500 of cadian, uh, which is a slow release oral morphine, and and the, the dose just go up and up. The okay. other reason we don't go up on methadone is the heart, right? And so there's a thing called the QTC interval, and when you look at the data, it's not 
fully clear how much it actually increases the risk of having an arrhythmia. But the higher the do higher the QTC interval in some psych medications causes as well, you have the risk of just developing this arrhythmia and your heart stopping. Right. And so you have to weigh that risk as well. Right. And but ironically, it's not. Uh, I understand why you would want to keep it at a certain level, but it, that doesn't seem to be the number one ask of our methadone folks. Right. They're not really pushing. If they're stable on methadone, I don't really hear that. Maybe obviously you have more encounters of that than yeah, I. Yeah, because would, their withdrawal's good. Right, so, yeah. so they're not you, saying if they're at 110 and they've been there for six years, they're not coming to you every week. Can you do 115? Can you like it's not a, it's not like they would be if they were on, uh, you know, uh, Dilaudid or something, right? Where yeah, they, yeah, Dilaudid. They they keep wanting to to go up, you know. And historically, you know, when the the pain docs were pushing it to cover pain, they would say there's no maximum dose uh, for it, right? And and I suspect, you know, I might be wrong. I suspect it has to do with the waves, yeah. right? Because because uh, even if you're on like a hydromorph content or oxycodone, mm -hmm. uh, usually you have to do twice a day or three times a day dosing. Right. And so when you talk to people who work in hospital, like those those pain service people we work with, they always do three times a day dosing. You talk to chronic pain physicians like physiatrists, they'll do the twice a day uh, dosing for it. And so it's really hard with two times or three times a day to get that right level because it's always going to come down. Whereas the methadone, it just sort of goes up and it just lingers. It just lingers. Right. Right. So back to our case at hand here. So if, again, this is all, well, it's not allegedly about the substance use. This is both what the prosecution and the defense are saying that he has this, this, this opiate use. So it's, he's acknowledged it and he's open about it now uh, after he's been charged with murder. Um, but um, it's, uh, you know, he's, he's going up. For, he, if you could get to that $50,000 a week, it's because he's chasing that A, right? He's, Often a phrase yeah, is chasing, or, chasing or the dragon. And, chasing and, the dragon, yeah. or he's trying to stop the withdrawal. Right. It's both, right? So during the day when he has to work, he's probably just trying to stop the withdrawal. And then the evening he's trying to... And this is why buprenorphine is so good, right? And we don't always talk about this. We could get rid of that withdrawal for him. We could... He could, like, instead of buying all those oxys, he could buy all those oxys and buy some buprenorphine, have a coach on how to get on it properly because now we have creative ways, right? Historically... You had to stop the opiates for about 24 to 48 hours, depending on right. which drug you were using, and you had to go through the withdrawal before you could start on it. You don't have to do that anymore. And so if, if, if he was seeing me... Not, not that we're offering Alex Murdoch medical advice here, but it, a, a, uh, yeah, a patient yeah, with enough, a similar yeah, profile. Yeah, so if, if I was seeing somebody who's using that much oxycodone, uh, I would have a session where I just get them to talk, you know, what they care about, what's important to them, what the challenges are. I get them to talk a lot about the negatives, yes. right? Uh, I mean, a little bit about what it does for them, but more about the, the negatives. And I try to make them link the negatives uh, to the fact that it, the negatives of the substance use create the state that makes the person want to use in the first place right. so you try to sort of get that that buy-in and usually i can start with the withdrawal usually i can start with the withdrawal and usually i can start with the cost uh, and then we could find a way so that he doesn't have a withdrawal and then he just gets a little bit of the high first because at least he's not going to die with the buprenorphine on right board. so uh i mean not that we're here to pass judgment but it's certainly from a, a you know from a sniff test of people that work in addiction it it, it kind of to us sort of it, it I, I would you say i would you say it passes the sniff test? This is possible that someone could spend fifty thousand dollars a week. I I, th I think so. I think somebody could spend that much a week. Yeah. I, I I would hope they would have some business partners that would help them find another way to. Well, and uh, and this is, and, and I think it, right? and unfortunately this has been one of the challenges. So um, why the um, and I know I just sprung this case on you. It wasn't something you're familiar yeah, no, with, but I, just to give you a little bit of the background is uh, the allegation is that he had already stolen somewhere in excess of uh, $10 million from his yeah. law firm to pay yeah. for the oxycodone. Yeah. And uh, because it's been going on for two decades, 
that's his disclosure. That's their allegation. So it's I, I don't think we have to say allegedly before that. Yeah. So he'd yeah. already he'd already been behind this, and and the allegation is that this murder was done because he was about to be exposed for that theft, and he's facing also ninety nine financial charges in addition, ninety nine felony financial charges for the theft, uh, from stealing from the trust funds and all these situations. So he was in deep. Let's but I think everyone can agree that he was in deep at that point before the alleged. A crime took place. So when you said uh, fifty thousand uh, per week, uh, without mentioning the drug, I was assuming like you know stimulants, psychosis, uh, things like that. Uh, you know, but it'll be interesting to see what um, plays out. Although I'm probably not gonna. I, I find these. Um, it's upsetting, you know, like it's uh, it's really upsetting when you hear about these uh, these things. My my point is that there there, there are certain people that um, uh, prefer the oxys because it's it's a pill. Right, it's a pill. It's made by a company. They know what's there. They know what the dosing is. They know the amount, and and they're not going to want to switch over to something that's unpredictable, right? Right. Like, uh, like so some kind of goop or gunk or whatever. Well, it, uh, whatever well, fentanyl fent- looks like. Yeah, what fentanyl looks like at that time. And again, he's you know he's trying to keep control of things. I would imagine, obviously, because he's yeah. it's, it's in in the shadows, as we've said before, and um, so he probably wants just the you know, brand name product. Yeah, so you've yeah. got to pay more to get it. And there's a huge problem with people. Uh, there's a huge opiate crisis around the world, but um, but in particular, apparently in South Carolina. So this is where this, this general yeah. practice. The, the other thing is that a lot of these uh, places, I've looked at South Carolina, they have a lot of very rigid policies on even getting access to methadone or uh, or yeah. buprenorphine. So here we regularly use it as a uh, harm reduction tool, which is what methadone originally was uh, considered. Uh, and uh, you can show up, we'll give you some tablets, all that stuff. There, I don't know what their rules are, right? You have to be a certain kind of prescriber. Maybe you have to uh, document that you've given it to this person. It's not and, as low barrier access. Yeah, as not as here. low barrier access, you know, and... Uh, uh, and, and I mean, and to be to be honest, you know, I, I know people that uh, have had mental illnesses that are scared to get treatment because of uh, it getting in the system and stuff like that. Sure. So I can't imagine what a lawyer is like after having tried so many cases, seen so many judge things, to even have one medical report that he has a, an addiction. Yeah, exactly. Right? I can't imagine what that would be like. I mean, the story that why it kind of caught my eye is that um, I don't like the fact that this 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 addiction was tied into this criminality in the sense of. I'm not saying there was criminality, but if that seems to be the allegation, well, I was, you know, I was a, a drug addict per se, so that's why I did it, right? It, or that's, you know, that seems to be what. Oh, the, you don't like the drug use as an excuse for a crime? Yeah, I don't like the connection of the two. That the, even the yeah, the it's not good for making. our patients, right? Like, like they're not all criminals, exactly. You know, and and the same thing happens with like bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. Yeah, the rap that they get in them, it's horrible, yeah. right? right? Like, just because you have schizophrenia or bipolar doesn't mean you're going to kill somebody or steal something. Yeah, you know, there's so many people that have those diagnoses. Exactly. Yeah. But the way that it's presented in the media, I get very upset yeah. by that. Yeah. So that's how it, you know, that's like, how it keyed into uh, me first. Drug, just because he's yeah, he has. I, I get it. He could also have a drug addiction and be a murderer, but it doesn't mean that the drug addiction is connected to this. No, murder. I mean. The, and that's why I think I immediately went to the stimulant psychosis because I was like, why are they making such a big deal out of the drug addiction? Yeah. And the way, but I'm not familiar with, you know, being high on opiates resulting mm-hmm. in you planning to murder and kill someone, right? I don't... Uh, I don't think that I, I've seen like with stimulants uh, where people's brains are vulnerable, where they get paranoid and suspicious. They come with this whole story that they believe is real. Right. And I've seen I've seen that in the in the news and otherwise. But I've not seen somebody who uses opiates, who 
murder somebody right and it being because of the the opiates if that right. makes sense right. right like i just have not i've not seen that you right know? I'm, but but i've I only mean, been working 10 years i don't see or 12 right. or 15 and, and, and years it, but it doesn't mean there's a correlation between the, the substance use it, dr- drugs don't make people a steal and uh and, yeah. and 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 they don't make them kill their families yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they're, they're notwithstanding well, well, the psychosis. Well, the steal, sometimes uh, people well, steal because they need to maintain the addiction, right? That I can, I can. It, it, it happens. Like, that you know, is, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, going to the dollar store and taking some rubbing alcohol or whether it's uh, yeah. like the person that you uh, said had no means, but they got the $20 tablet of uh, buprenorphine. Yes. And and I, I don't ask about those things. I don't know if I, I should be. Right. I, I don't ask. I'm just happy that they're there. Uh, and then I just try to reduce the risk and the, the right. harm, right? But but there are people, uh, you know, s- such as, you know, myself. I made it through the journey and, and fortunately was able to keep myself financially together. The whole process and, and never I, I've never taken anything from anybody um, yeah, yeah. and I think there's a lot of people like that especially a gentleman that has the means of that this gentleman had or has right he still has millions of dollars of real estate he's still you know he he had uh, you know millions of dollars in the bank I mean he it's not the you know he, he probably could have kept it together without uh, without stealing money, and I, I get it. I get it. There's a, there's a connection in, in some ways there of the desperation as to what no, people but it's, will do. No, but it's not an absolute, right? And right. correlation doesn't mean uh, causation, and it, I don't even know if it's correlated. <laughs> like, the, yeah. it might it might be. I don't know. Like, and I think it's uh, it's wrong to imply that because it does harm to a lot of people that uh, almost they 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 had like very little choice, right? Because yeah. once uh, once the the addiction uh, grips you or the opiate use uh, grips you. Uh, even if you care about other things at first, you stop caring about them, you know, more and more that you get deeper uh, into it, you know. Yeah. And I always want to be mindful, you know, cause some people choose to use and, and all that stuff. And that's your choice, too. Um, maybe I could just summarize the take homes because I think sure. we're like a little bit, we went through a few different ideas. I didn't sure. know where we were going with this. Uh, I, I do know now. And, and I'm really glad you brought this uh, case um, case up. Right. So so I think uh, there was a story in the news that interested you. Yeah. Right. And you're like, hey, let's let's chat about it. Let's chat about it. And uh, you thought that, hey, 50,000 a week. Is this realistic? Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, and then you thought about what would be uh, preventing this person from getting treatment? Because the harms of spending 50K a year over 10 years or whatever, 10 million that he stole um, and this constant whatever happened now is much worse than getting treatment would be on anyone's life. Right. Sure. Uh, well, maybe not. But at the time, who at knows? The time, at the time, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the stigma piece. And then also around the, the tolerance piece, right? Uh, you know, and I think the A process, B process is something that would be a lot of fun to talk about uh, because there's a very clear um, biological basis. There's a lot of animal models, you know, uh, for it, you know, uh, that uh, that talk about it. And, uh, and it also explains why certain drugs work for certain things, right? And so methadone is very, very good for the withdrawal. doesn't help everyone with the uh, cravings. And, and so forth. So okay, all right, and that's our uh, that's our take on the uh, Alex uh, Murdoch case, and uh, and uh, may uh, Paul and uh, Maggie Murdoch uh, rest in peace. Oh God, yeah. Okay, thank, thank you. you.